Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about how entrepreneurs who have a business that is past the startup stage can continue to grow and possibly expand or diversify into new areas. With me today is Deb Curtis. Deb is the founder of a woman-owned small business, a recovering top-performing corporate employee, and a passionate advocate for promoting diversity and inclusivity in entrepreneurship. She's a dynamic entrepreneur on a mission to educate and empower minority populations, including women and people of color, to climb the ladder of business ownership by acquiring established, profitable small businesses with the Small Business Administration. Her mantra in life is that anything is possible with God, grit, and grace. Welcome, Deb. It's great to have you here with me today. Oh, my pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for the welcome. <laughs> no problem. Well, to get us started, can you share a little bit about how you became interested in starting your own business and making the transition from a corporate role? Mm, yes. I think that's a, a vision a lot of us have. What would it be like to be a small business owner? I mean, you know, maybe not, but I think a lot of, especially today, I would say, wouldn't you agree, generations younger than us today? I believe they're thinking that more than we did back in the 90s. I concur. Um, yeah, in the 90s, I just remember my first corporate job was of 18 years and my baby boomer father told me just stay loyal to corporate because they will take care of you. And and they did. At the benefits Mike were incredible. I had a 401k that my employer paid 6% of my 6% that I put in. It was right. nuts. And you remember health insurance, how incredible it was, maybe no deductibles and everything was paid. Yep. <laughs> so times have changed as they always will. That first job of mine truly was 18 years. And I listened to my father and I was loyal because they were loyal to me. But over time, it started to change a little bit. In the 90s, you would get home by five o'clock and work was done. You were done. You're yep. sitting with your family and I remember enjoying our babies and what's for supper and you know what's on TV it was family time and uh, things just I look back and I'm just thinking about it right now through the following decades after all of a sudden it was like I'm working till six now I'm working till eight now I gotta work the weekends oh don't forget you know, there's a big push here coming. Everybody's got to be on seven days a week and do everything. And what happened? Your annual sales goals, at least in my industry that I work for in, in lending, every year I would hit the sales goal and every year they kept increasing it. I mean, exponentially. Yes. Like, well, if you, yeah. And that trend continued. It, and I remember saying to some of my favorite bosses back in the day, what are you trying to kill us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, good Lord. I'm like, there's, I get that we want to grow, but you also want your employees to be happy. And no, they corporate just saw things differently. So how did I get to where I am today, Mike? SBA lending was my favorite avenue in business lending in general for small businesses. I was a, a business banker. We did conventional lending, but all roads that couldn't go conventional always went SBA. And through the decades of my career, I worked for a big bank. I worked for regional banks. I worked for community banks. And I started to see SBA is not the one that gives the money, the banks do, 
and the banks all have different credit policies depending upon their size, their appetite. I mean, people get frustrated because they're like, why is SBA so complicated? Well, the funny thing is it's SBA is not complicated. That's one policy It's all the different banks have their own different guidelines. And I was a jack of all trades, meaning I did all the credit requests for small business owners from a startup to acquiring a business to a debt consolidation. And I realized in my journey, the one transaction that stood out and had the best chances for approval besides financing a hard asset like a commercial real estate that's a different story right hard assets are good but the intangible assets in sba the transaction that yielded the best return on on my time and my borrowers time was business acquisitions meaning purchase finance and established money-making business that's proven cash flow and as a new owner you transition in and take over so through my journey i just decided that this is something i can do now on my own kind of like a commercial loan broker right we know who they are they they work with hundreds of sba lenders banks and they take in all credit requests well i decided with my business in 2018 to niche down regarding business acquisition financing. And the reason why is I always had supervisors throughout my journey working for banks that talked about this silver tsunami coming to town <laughs> in the future, meaning baby boomers, gray hair baby boomers are living longer and it's gonna be the greatest wealth transfer ever to date and 11,000 baby boomers are retiring a day. And out of those 11,000 are small business owners looking for the next business owner to take over. So that's where my business started. And um, just so your listeners understand, I am a business acquisition lending consultant. I prepare business buyers whether they want to buy their competition and expand that way or they want to diversify small business ownership and have a couple different industries in their portfolio. I help prepare those buyers, whether they're first time, second time, heck, I've got some that are fourth time business buyers. And then I source the best loan structure because working capital is important and we can talk about that, but I source the best loan structure to get them funded and transitioned in. And I love it. So there's the long story. <laughs> All right. Thanks. So continuing on here, understanding you work with entrepreneurs who have survived that startup phase, yeah. or maybe already have a business that's grown past that point. And now they're starting to think about it's time for expansion. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that they should be thinking about when creating their growth strategy? Yeah, they should seriously be thinking about when they want to expand, who is their competition? I think of like a landscaping company. I've done several expansion business acquisitions where the current landscaping company bought out his competition because he was older and the owner was going to retire. So what you should be thinking about if you are a business owner in a specific niche, 
you should really know who your competition is, right? It's that should be in your business plan anyways. What are yeah. they doing? What makes them different than than your business and understanding who they are? But you should really be making friends with your competition because a lot of those expansions by acquisition are done privately and quietly behind the scenes without any kind of representation. And those are usually pretty easy to do. And I'll tell you a little secret for your listeners. You can get those done at 100% financing because you're expanding your current business. The SBA loves that. You're growing your current business. Now, what you need to understand is make sure your financial house is in order of your current business. You can't buy another business and expand if your financials reported to the government are showing losses, right? right. So you gotta make sure you got the cash flow with the current business and it's doing well. And now you're gonna acquire your competition. And of course, so your listeners understand the, the business that you're acquiring, they too have to have their financials in order, reflecting enough net income to support your loan project to buy them out. It's all about cash flow. That's what SBA is, all about cash flow. Not collateral. Collateral's nice, but SBA is all about cash flow. That's good to know. And 100% financing sounds good. That's right. Cash flow, that reminds me back to my business school days when all I talked about was cash flow. It's right. It, you know, that, that cash flow is king. We all heard that many, many times, right? <laughs> and continuing on here, we'll talk a little bit about funding and cash flow. What advice do you have for people in regards to funding sources for expansion? Funding sources for expansion in, in regards to acquiring a business? Or uh, yes. Okay. You can reach out to your current bank that maybe you have your current uh, business deposits with, and or maybe a, you have a small business loan or you have another SBA loan with them. More than likely, if you're you have a good relationship with your current bank and you're paying on time and they will be highly interested in helping you expand and taking out the competition. That would be my recommendation, first and foremost, to go that route. But let's remember, listeners, that every bank has their own credit box, their own credit policy. So sometimes, you know, I remember back in the day I worked at Wells Fargo and they're, they're a big bank. They do a lot of SBA lending, but they have a lot of parameters that they don't like. And therefore you could be banking with them as a small business and find out that you're declined. Well, that doesn't mean you can't get your money elsewhere at another bank. So that's where it can get confusing. If you work with one bank, are you really putting yourself in their credit box that might be limiting how much working capital cash you can get for the, the, the project. I finance a lot of business acquisitions where the bank will give working capital along with the purchase to pay the payroll, the rent expense, the marketing. Because when you expand, you got more employees to pay. You yeah. need cash. Well, there are plenty of banks out there that will give you that working capital and a, a line of credit but then there are some banks that just won't, they don't. So 
that's why it's important where I come in, I, I know what banks are doing what, when, and where. And let me tell you, it's a market right now where there's volatility with banks. So yeah. a lot of that what, when, and where is constantly changing, constantly changing. A, a bank's portfolio could be top heavy with maybe restaurants and they just want to pause and say, okay, we're not going to finance any more restaurants. So if you call them for help and you're a restaurant owner, they're going to flat out tell you, no, we're, we're, we're not financing restaurants. So working with someone that can navigate what I call the waters of all these different banks, that's going to give you more efficiencies to get to the final destination, which is money. <laughs> money to fund the transaction and expand. Yeah, that's a lot of great information. Thanks for sharing that. And it's nice to know that there's people like yourself who can help a business owner navigate all these things as efficiently as possible because they got into business, not necessarily to go to the banks all the time and, and look for funding sources there. They want to run their business and feel their passion, right? That's right. You got and it. kind of Going into that a little bit more here, one of the challenges I see is entrepreneurs, they find themselves in a position where they're working too much in their business as opposed to on their business. How can small business owners avoid that trap and get out of it if they've already fallen into it? Oh, that's music to my ears. Thank you for preaching that. We call that succession planning. I worked in banking for 30 years and 20 of it was in business banking, small business banking. And every supervisor that I worked under, they all taught me something, but there's one thing that stood clear. Anytime you visit a small business owner, they said, Deb, anytime you walk into that small business and you're sitting down in the conference room or in the business owner's office, or they're in your office at the bank, you do not let them leave that conversation unless you know what their succession plan is in case something happens to them or their exit plan. Here's the sad news. We have been preaching that forever. And to this day, we, they still struggle to put that plan in place. That's why 80% of the businesses that are for sale on the market today won't sell because the owner did not listen and put that succession plan into place. So what does that mean, business owners? Don't work in your business 24-7. You have got to get out in a positive fashion, meaning train your people, delegate. I know you want to control it all yourself. I'm a control freak myself. I know what that's like. You, you think I can do it best. But there is no value to a business buyer. And there is no value to the bank that's going to approve financing for that buyer when you sell your business, because the moment that business sells and you leave as the business owner that's doing everything, there's no value. It's gone. So train up your people. If you got to hire someone, hire an employee that's got the experience, or I'm sure you have employees that are loyal, train them up you call them your managers you call them your key employees you want to start to step out and become what is called semi-absentee or in a lot of cases 100 percent absentee meaning you're just looking over the business and if there's any emergencies they're going to report up to you 
Now you always can trust, but by golly, you better verify because that's another story. I've known business owners that will step out and they really trust, but then they lack the verify and there can be some fraud in the business, trusting people maybe that have been there for 15 years and things can go backwards. My mantra too is trust, but always verify and don't miss a beat on that. So I hope that helped bring home a bit how important it is for business owners today to get out of the business, get out of your own way, because there's value when others are operating the business. And you will appreciate that one day when you sell and you can sell quickly because the buyer is buying the people that are running the business and making it successful. Right on? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's never too early to think about exit planning. As excited as you are maybe to start a business or to get more expansion, never hurts to do that exit planning because at some point down the road, you'll need it. Then the more thought and effort you put into, it'll pay off for sure. Yeah. And who, who doesn't want to spend more time with their family or maybe their grandkids as the family is growing? Get out of your business. Get out of your own way. Get out Absolutely. Of your own way. Absolutely. You also touched on another topic I wanted to ask you about, which is if you have a corporate employee, somebody who's interested maybe in making that transition like you did to being a business owner or an entrepreneur, one of the avenues is to be kind of the absentee owner of a business. What are your thoughts for people looking to maybe take that approach instead of starting the business from scratch? Oh, yeah. I love this approach. And it's an approach that is not known enough out there. And that's why I love being on shows like this. And thank you, Mike, for having me as a guest. Because you can work for corporate America and you can remain working in your corporate America position with your salary, and you can purchase finance that absentee owned business. Like we were just talking the prior section here, that owner that's selling trained up the employees and, and he really is absentee just overseeing the business. Bank underwriters have and continue to approve those transactions for a buyer that wants to stay in their sales job or wherever they are in corporate and just oversee the business. But the due diligence, we got to make sure if it's advertised as absentee owned, we, we got to make sure we're doing due diligence to make sure it's absentee owned. Because <laughs> it's like putting candy in front of the three-year-old, you know, here you go, it's an absentee owned business and everybody wants to buy it. Okay, but is it really? So there is due diligence and we don't have to talk about that now, but that is something you really want to make sure of as a buyer or as a seller that you really are absentee owned. So before we wrap up this episode, what additional advice or thoughts uh, would you like to share with our audience? I would like to share that I, ha I just have this vision with all of these baby boomers that are retiring. And there's some really good small businesses out there that are what I call essential needs. We're talking, you know, auto repair shops, HVAC companies, we all need central air, even in Wisconsin, when we have our muggy days, you know, there's a lot of essential needs businesses in home health care. We're all living longer. And many of these businesses are uh, baby boomer owned looking for the successor, whether you're going to expand your current business or you want to purchase a second one. 
we got to just get the word out. They don't teach you this stuff growing up in high school. I don't know if you go to college and take classes on how to purchase finance a business. I'm not so sure. I mean, they teach you about being a small business owner, but how wonderful is it today that when we dream about being a small business owner, we think we have to start up, which is can be grueling. Those first couple of years, you really don't make any salary or you're, you know, you're bootstrapping and, and nickel and diming everywhere to get this business to work. What if people knew you can purchase finance and establish business that the owner who is selling is earning a salary that can be transferred to you and then the bottom line, the net income with, with some add backs to the cash flow, that's the, the profits. If you go in and take over this business and let those key employees keep running it as is, and that profit remains the same, that's the money that makes your SBA business acquisition loan payment. The confusion is people think when you purchase finance a business, your income as of today is what pays that payment, like a first time home buyer, that's your personal income has to pay it. Well, your personal income helps as backup, but the business you're buying is making an income. And that is what the underwriter is reviewing to ensure that income will sustain when you take it over to make that bank loan project payments. Now, how about that? That's the message I want your listeners to hear. And I just want to get out there and keep educating. A lot of layoffs are happening today, but a lot of opportunity with baby boomer businesses is on the forefront. So it's almost like this collide is happening. And you know, when one door closes, another one always opens. And that's the way we have to look at this. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a world of abundance, not scarcity. That's right. I like that. Well, Deb, thank you so much for making time in your schedule to talk with me today and share some advice here and some information with our listeners. If people are interested in learning more from you, where can we point them to? My website, debcurtis.com. Everything is there, social handles, contact, email, debcurtis.com. Great. I'll add that into the show notes for everyone for easy access. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.